Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The second largest city's first daily news podcast is here with a special guest, a uh, very special guest on his birthday. We have author, Dr. Robert Renteria with us today. Round of applause for him. Happy birthday to you too, my brother. Happy birthday. All right, all right. Birthday. Yep. Want to say good morning to everybody. Uh, co-host Christine. Good morning. Got JV. We've got Diesel as well in the house. And here we are to uh, give you guys the news, the weather, and all the cool stuff. And then get into our interview uh, today with uh, Dr. Renteria. So, uh, without delay, the news. All right. Well, guess what I'm talking about again? Sugar Skull City. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Yeah, <laughs> get your coming. skulls. It's coming. Um, Sugar Skull City is a month-long celebration in downtown Aurora that celebrates and honors the cultural and local tradition of Day of the Dead. It has activities that will run from October 15th through November 15th. Artists, community members, youth, and families are invited to honor the Mexican tradition of Day of the Dead, or Dia de los Muertos. Community members are invited to experience this throughout downtown Aurora during the month as a crowd-free activity. So be sure to check out the windows and a lot of the specials that um, the stores and restaurants are doing um, for this. Today's Good Morning Aurora Sports, um, probably the biggest news, the White Sox have agreed to part ways with their manager, which kind of means he was fired, um, Rick Renteria. Any relation? No relation. No really. You're going to get that all day today. <laughs> I, I bet. <laughs> it's it's going to keep coming, yeah, I think, yeah. or whatever. You might want to maybe just add on to that or something. Kind of yeah. jump on it. Um, and then in baseball, the Rays beat the Astros four to two, and the Braves won over the Dodgers five to one. More to follow. Nice. And now the weather. All right. So um, first things first. Before I get into the weather, I have something to tell you. Uh, friends of ours. Cottonseed Creative Exchange and Vizo Arts uh, have come together once again. Now, you need to stop by the Cottonseed Creative Exchange, 8 North Broadway. This news is hot off the press this morning, like literally 6 o'clock, uh, in Aurora downtown to see the Aurora Stronger exhibit curated and sponsored by Vizo Arts. The exhibit features photographs of the unrest that took place in Aurora on May 31st and highlights how the community came together even stronger. Okay, shout out to Yvonne from Cottonseed Creative Exchange, friend of ours, uh, businesswoman, and also Navy veteran. Go U.S. Navy. Uh, stay tuned. Visa Arts is collaborating with the Cottonseed Creative Exchange for First Fridays on November 6th. Or excuse me. That, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, yeah, November 6th. Follow Visa Arts on Instagram at Visa Arts to stay up to date with everything that they're doing. Now, the photographs on display were taken by many talented photographers. Uh, Gary Bonick, Victoria Lunacek, Ivan Carmona, Amy Nelson Photography, excuse me, Photography, and John Cornelison. Now, um, Viso Arts does a lot of good stuff for our community, and they have been big sponsors and helpers of ours as well. So shout out to them. We really appreciate all their help, love, and support. The temperature right now is 44 degrees. A little chilly out there. Uh, the high today is going to be 68 degrees, and that should be around 5 o'clock p.m. Um, tomorrow looks like it's going to be partly cloudy, 73 degrees. Thursday will be partly cloudy as well with a high of 55 degrees. Friday. Although it looks to be 56 degrees, looks like it's going to be a sunny 56 degrees. So I want you guys to keep that in mind. Get the fall gear, the fashion, the um, you know, get the turtlenecks. If you got Kohl's coupons, now it's the time to bust those out. Thank you, mom. And uh, thick socks, not ankle socks anymore. Now um, another round of the change initiatives is happening this Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. Uh, the last one was at New England Church. The second one will be at Saint Therese. Church. Okay, this is where you join the Aurora mayor and police officials to discuss the uh, unrest in the, in the community and how we can come together to create a better 
Aurora. Uh, all listening sessions start at 6 p.m. Once again, you have to register for this. You cannot just show up. Go to www.auroratacil.org slash change. Attack is a Navy term for a dash. Simply that. They will listen to your thoughts on policing and progress in Aurora. I also want to give a quick shout out to Invest Aurora and also the Regional Chamber of Commerce for the uh, work that they've been doing with the community in regards to the COVID-19 Business Implication Survey Report. This is round two, a series of surveys and reports aimed at measuring the impact and implications of COVID-19 on businesses across the Aurora region. That survey provides the closest look possible at data from 98 survey responses collected between the 8th of September and the 21st of September. So shout out to both Invest Aurora and the Aurora Chamber of Commerce. And also, once again, I keep drilling it to you. I'm going to do it to you again. You have to remember the digital applications are live for the Community Development Block Grant CDBG. The date to submit is the 23rd of October at 4 o'clock p.m. Go to www.auroratechil.org slash neighborhood redevelopment. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month and also Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Please keep that in mind and do what you can in regards to donations or possibly volunteering your help and lending support. Good organizations to help during this time are Mutual Ground and also Healing to Healthy. Shout out to Amy Downing and also shout out to Susan Romano. Heal, excuse me, Healing to Healthy helps women with uh, camisoles. And they also give you information about mammograms and other health-related activities for women. So please, um, you know, take care of yourself and each other. And shout out to both of those organizations for the good work that they do. And I would be remiss. I would be remiss. That's the word of the day, remiss. Look that up. I would be remiss if I did not mention that the Kane County Sheriff's Office, under the leadership of Ron Hain, has recently started the Job Fair Board, specifically for employers, businesses, and applicants who are interested in seeking work if they have a background. Now, all of the, the uh, listed businesses that are there are taking part in that, and they're seeking individuals who are qualified but may have a background. That is an initiative started by the Kane County Sheriff's Office to no longer bar individuals from employment based on riffraff from however many years ago. Please check that out. We posted the link to that yesterday on our Facebook and our Instagram, and it's still in our Instagram bio. If you or someone you know can benefit from employment but they have a background, sign up and register for that free service. And with that, we go to our interview with Dr. Renteria, and I hope that you guys enjoy the news because now we're going to get into the real stuff, the good stuff, books, books and more books. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning to you. Good to have you on the show. Again. Thank you very much. Yep. And happy birthday once again to you. Yep. Looking good on your birthday. Not getting older. <laughs> <laughs> Frozen in time, well. right? Yeah. <laughs> Sticking with it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and where you're from? I grew up in uh, East Los Angeles, and I've been living here since 1990. Okay. And um, I was part of the Aurora Hispanic Chamber of Commerce when my book came out in 2008. And little did I know that 13 years later that we'd be in over 25 countries around the world. Wow. Right. Um, so when did you, what brought you to Aurora? I was in the military. I served in the 3rd Special Forces Group at Fort Bragg. Okay. And I honorably served our country for seven years, three months, eight days, and about 14 minutes. And I came here. Waiting for that DD-214, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then I, I came here with a duffel bag and $200, and I got a job in the commercial laundry industry, and I started uh, working selling washers and dryers for laundromats. Okay. And then fast forward, six years later, I was vice president of a publicly traded company on New York Stock Exchange, 
and then I started my own business, mm -hmm. and then in 2008, I released my first book. Very cool, okay. very cool. Karen, what's your educational background? Well, in last year in January, I got a call from Mexico City, uh, University of Mexico City, mm -hmm. that I had been nominated for an honorary doctorate for humanities and academics. So last April 2019, I was a recipient of an international honorary doctorate. That's great. Thank you. That's great. Um, and growing up, what impact did your mom have on your life? Well, you know, if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't even be here as far as li in the little, literal sense. You know, I, I was a bad kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was a school dropout. My dad was a heroin addict. He died on Skiro as a, a hobo. My dad was a bum. Uh, I found a, a dysfunctional family called Gangs. And uh, I made the best decision of my life by leaving there and joining the military. So it was because of her that I wanted to do better. Yeah. Right. What, what lessons did she teach you? She taught me that the most important thing in life is family. Mm -hmm. That you protect it and you respect it, you don't abuse the privilege. Those are people I always gotcha. Right. 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 Um, what was it like growing up in East LA? Well, you know, it was pretty tough back then. I mean, you know, we were so poor. I tell people that if we were kids, somebody broke in our house to rob us, we robbed him. That's how poor we were. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was bad, you know. Uh, my dad left when I was three, and when I was six, you know, I was in a terrible accident. I had to go to school because I was physically disabled and mentally challenged. I couldn't walk, talk, or read or write. So, you know, we grew up in poverty, and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, I slept on a smelly mattress on a concrete floor in a musty basement where at nighttime you hear the mouse traps popping. Um, everybody around us was poor, so I, I guess I didn't know I was poor. You know, we'd right. take the, ride a bike or take a bus or hitchhike, and then it wasn't until I finally got out of that environment that I, I strike for more. You realize there was more out there right. for then, yeah. yeah. How many siblings do you have? I have about 2.5 million kids around the world that I, <laughs> I represent, but I don't have any kids of my own. Okay. Right. Brothers and sisters? Brothers and sisters. I have two sisters. Okay. I'm sorry, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I have one that's 10 years younger and uh, one that's one year younger. Okay. Interesting. Um, what similarities are there between the uh, between East Los Angeles and the east side of Aurora, for example? Oh, it's day and night. I mean, you can't compare the two. I mean. It, I mean, the criminal element, although there was alive and real on a daily basis, here mm -hmm. here it's it's toned down a lot since I think it was around, we had no murders here in 2012 it was, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Right, so, you know, there was a culture of calm that was created here. Um, but I would say it's apples and oranges. I mean, it's, it's bad over there, really, really bad. That's why I got out. I mean, when I got out of the military, I went back home and I ran into the same friends, my homeboys that I ran around with, and they were calling me a punk and a seller because I wouldn't run with these guys. They were trying to drag me back in because misery loves company. So that's why I came and I came to Chicago. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Um, what's the biggest, uh, biggest lesson you learned being in the military? It taught me about a word called character. I mean, you know, I learned about duty on our country and I mm -hmm. jumped out of airplanes and helicopters and all that crazy stuff. But, but you know, character is, is not just doing what's right when somebody's watching you, it's doing the right thing when nobody's watching you. And that's what the military taught me. Hmm. Interesting. And uh, Fort Bragg, which has been in the uh, in the news recently, a mm -hmm. um, couple months now. Mm -hmm. What was your experience like there in Fort Bragg as a uh, Latino person of color there? And what are we talking seventies? I was in the army from eighty three to ninety. Okay, so eighties. Um, what was it like as a person of color there? I would say that it was a. A neutralizer you know everybody was green you know we we're army right. green yeah. so it was like being in one big bad gang but we weren't trying to kill each other right so for me the experience was 
it, it taught me, I grew up in LA with all Mexicans, right? And when I went to the military, we had black, Asian, white, so, mm -hmm. you know, it was more of a band of brothers. Right. So, so it taught me the universal message that we're all the same. Nice. And um, when, when, especially in the military, um, which I'm a veteran too, I'm a Navy vet, I understand what you mean about everybody's green, There's everybody's one, um, one person, you know, one unit, a team, the camaraderie, uh, color no longer matters. You just so happen to be African-American member of the Army, what have you. Right. Um, do you think that military service is something that youngsters should partake in? I wrote that in my book, actually, that I think that all young boys and girls, before they take that leap into adulthood, should join the military for at least two years to give them the fundamental building blocks of what it is to be a leader. Right. Right. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Um, now let's move into the book. The First, the title, From the Barrio to the Boardroom. Where did you come up with that title? And was there a first, was there a title before that? Well, the book, From the uh, Barrio to the Boardroom, there was a first edition. This is the second edition. Okay. This came out in 2008. Okay. And from the bar, it was like the hood. Yeah. And then I made it to the boardroom of corporate America. As mm -hmm. I said, I was VP of a publicly traded company on New York Stock Exchange. So mm -hmm. literally, I made it. I made it to the boardroom. There you go. So okay. that's where I got the title. <laughs> okay. But if you don't mind, I, I'd like to share a little bit of story around the book. Oh, absolutely. Certainly. See, this book came out in 2008, and I got a call from Arnie Duncan at the time. He was Secretary of Education, mm -hmm. and they said we want to teach this book. Now, this has been a 13-year process that I've been under development and 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 exposing this to kids all over the world. So a curriculum was created for this book that addresses what's called social-emotional learning. So they teach this book in schools. And I had that in, in, I had that book donated and I had the curriculum donated. So if anybody in education is listening and you're looking for programming, we'll send it to you electronically at no cost, right? And if you don't have money for the books that we have sponsors like Papa John's or Oral Vice Ice Cream and multiple others who make donations to our foundation so we can donate the book and the curriculum. Mm -hmm. Okay, the following year they're telling me they're reading my book to their parents. I said, well, don't your parents know how to read? They said they don't read English. So we translated the book into Spanish. And then the churches got a hold of us and they said that they want to teach the book in Bible so they lead our kids to Christ so they can see the promised land. So mm -hmm. a faith-based curriculum was created for the book. So the first couple of years, I'm in middle schools, high schools, colleges, higher education, youth prisons, jails, social services, homeless, shel homeless shelters, better women's shelters. But I wasn't getting to the elementary school kids. so you know that the gangs recruit the kids in elementary school. So I had this idea to create a graphic novel uh, called Me Barrio or My Hood, right, to cut the umbilical cord to the gang recruitment. Mm -hmm. So we released the graphic novel and this book became the best graphic novel in Latin America, Spain, the United States of America address addressing youth issues. So now this book is third grade and up and from the barrio to the boardroom is seventh grade and up and I wanted to round it off so we went back to the drawing board and we released an activity coloring book called Little Barrio. So it's pre-K, K1 and 2. So I'm proud to say that over the last 13 years, I've invested about $350,000 in the future of our youth's education, right? So that these kids understand that gang banging and violence is not a lifestyle, but a death style. And that the ultimate weapon is not a loaded gun, but an educated mind. Wow, you're giving them as soon as they need it. Those, the young kids. You gotta start them young. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. And it's easy to say, well, you know, we need better parenting or the parents should be better parents. Well, some of these kids don't have parents and some of the parents mm -hmm. shouldn't be parents, right? So we need more mentors, which is why we hosted an event here a couple years ago where you and I chatted mm -hmm. because our kids need to know that they're not alone. 
and it's okay to ask for help, not because you're weak, because you have to remain strong. So I try to teach our kids that there's a big difference between a handout and a hand up. Right. And there's a lot of good people, like both of you and other people that we met a few weeks ago, that want to help. Um, what is the biggest obstacle in regards to young people who are trying to make that leap from, I don't want to say the hood, because there's people who live in places who are not, that are not the hood at all, right. but they still have problems. So what is the biggest obstacle for a young person to succeed and get over that hump, whatever that hump may be for them? I think that what I've seen the last 13 years is confidence and self-esteem. And you give somebody some hope and confidence, they can become very dangerous, especially if they put their street smarts with their book smarts. Right. So that's what I'm teaching our kids. Okay. And uh, I want to talk also about the, the Naperville school system and District 204 and things like that. Are your books in those districts? Well, keep in mind that the, the book and the curriculum came out in 2008 and 2009 mm -hmm. on the curriculum. Mm -hmm. So this is where I started. Okay. So the first four years, the books were in every single school here in Aurora. I mean, just about every program had the books. And um, after that, I started traveling out of different cities, different states, different countries. So I was gone for a long time. So I would say that the books are used here, but very loosely, not formally. Um, so when I came back after the COVID hit is when I decided, since I couldn't travel, that I'd spend more time in the local area, focusing on helping the kids or programs of this community. So recently, people like Tom Hartwell, who's running for King County Circuit Clerk, donated books to Waste Across Ministries and, and Hesed House. Uh, Laura Curtis, who was here, who's running for the 49th District uh, State Rep, she donated books uh, and uh, hygiene items to uh, Mutual Ground recently. So, so the, the schools here are asking for the books, the teachers and parents are asking for the books, but it's hard to be a, you know, what's, what's the right word? You, you, can't, you can't be a savior in your own backyard mm -hmm. because of, you know, politics and envy. So it's unfortunate. Politics and envy. You know, people have said that, you know, well, you know, Robert's not one of us because he wasn't born here. Or those books will never be in our schools as long as I'm on the school board. Or, you know, Robert wasn't born here, so we have our own people, we have our own books. So, so there's been some pushback, unfortunately, it's sad to say. So even though Aurora has a lot of promise, and I, I think and it's the second biggest city, I, I think that there's a fair amount of small-minded people here who don't understand that they're on the wrong side of history. Interesting. So you've had obstacles with individuals, even in trying to get your own message with the book. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, didn't expect, I didn't expect to hear that. Well, I wouldn't you, think that somebody would stop that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I look at it like this, right? You know, if somebody says, hey, well, as long as I'm on the school board, that, those, those books will never be in our schools. And I, I, my comment to that is, you know, you're no better than the gangbangers committing the crimes by trying to deprive a child from an experience that could change and save their lives. Sure. So, you know, it's criminal to do something like that. Or if, or if the mayor's office says, that, hey, Robert's not one of us, and we have our own programs, it's like telling somebody who's on the side of the road with a flat tire, and I come give you a tire, I can help fix it. And you say, I don't like that brand. Right. And, you know, that's ridiculous. So I'm just saying that, that I think that, you know, Aurora Strong has been more than a tagline, right, and more than just words. So I think that we have to do it with deliberate intent and partner and take a page out of the kids of our books. Because what I learned from kids the last 13 years is they don't know color, they know love. So we take a chapter from their book and start loving each other, take care of each, taking care of each other. Then we can be a champion of this place that we call home. All right. So 13 years of a journey. But let's shorten it to about 
five years. What's the biggest changes you've seen in Aurora in five years, in the last five years? Well, keep in mind, as I said, you know, I, I was gone for multiple years. So it wasn't until the COVID-19 in mm -hmm. March is when I decided to start focusing on coming back here. Okay. So I can tell you that what I've seen in the last few months since March till present is a lot of pushback. On what? From people wanting to accept the fact that we're trying to help kids. I'm not talking okay. about just yourself in the book. The I'm talking about the society. In general. The community. What's, what's been going I, I, on with I, I think, like I said, I, I think that we're divided. I, I don't think that we're united. You know, I, I think that, you know, you shouldn't judge a man or a woman by the color of their skin, but rather by the content of their character. I think there's still a lot of racial divide here. Really? Yeah, absolutely. You're the first person on this show to say that. Well, I mean, I'm telling it like it is. <laughs> uh, give me an example. Well, I would say that, uh, that the fact that I was told that the books are not culturally relevant because it's for Latino kids. And I said, listen, I'm the only Latino in the world with two national Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Awards. It, when they had the rights in Ferguson, Missouri, it was I that was taken to Ferguson, Missouri to talk to thousands of kids about breaking the racial divide. So to say that the books aren't good for African-American kids or not good for white kids, only for Latino kids, I think that's biased. I think it's racist. Interesting. Um, I saw a uh, there was a big controversy over a mural recently. Art in the community, of which literature is part of the arts, has become a big flashpoint issue here recently. Uh, there was a mural painted by a guy who just so happened to be white. And he had a lot of other people, Latinos and African Americans, helping him on that mural. That was touted as a way for the community to come together, that things like the Aurora Downtown, the Sugar Skull City, the Let, uh, uh, First Friday. the Skulls, Katrinas, yes, Kat okay, um, the Katrinas and everything like that, those are seen as things that are bringing people together. Um, besides the experience that happened to you, can you point to one thing that's positive in bringing people together that you see? Well, I work with a group called Aurora Business United. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. by Judd Lofshi and yeah. Peter Aguilera, Double A Electric, um, one of the sponsors. He buys books for kids. Yeah. Oh, shout out to Pete. Okay. Yeah, it's Peter. And so what, what, I, what I've seen is I've seen that group trying to pull people together for economic development so that people uh, partake in giving their business to local other business people. So they're trying to build community. Mm -hmm. So I've seen that as being very positive with that group. Right. Uh, where have your travels with the book taken you? What countries? Oh, Colombia, Mexico. Um, you know, I can tell you that the WBC, the World Boxing Council, mm -hmm. appointed me as their ambassador three years ago, and they're taking the books, uh, teaching boys and girls in 165 countries around the world. So now about the book where it's taken me, I mean, I, I just partnered yesterday with uh, the Rugby Foundation where they're going to take the books into South and Latin, Latin America. Uh, last week, we partnered with Power Up Academy, which is eSports, virtual gaming, mm -hmm. and that's going to give us access to 30 million people worldwide. Nice. Um, I've been to Latin America. I've been to Ecuador. I've been to Peru. The poverty there is unlike what any American, I think, has ever seen or experienced. Nice. Being in those countries... How did you feel with your background, you know, coming from East L.A., but uh, joining the military? How did you feel going to places like that? Well, when I was down in, like, Berenquilla, and I traveled throughout Colombia, 
you know, I saw people washing clothes out in the, in the on the rocks. Right. Right. So I mean, it was bad. I mean, you know, I think people are making a manicurist makes twenty dollars a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I visited some of the homes where the the, the floors are concrete. Right. And you know their TV was a little small, little black and white TV with a little hanger hanging out the back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean it was poor. And there was one family that I met that had this big fat rooster, and they were telling me that they they feed that rooster all year long and they eat the rooster for Christmas. A rooster. Right. Right. So yeah, it was po- it was it was <clears throat> bad. Yeah. Um, when we talked about the Aurora, what are some of the strengths that you do feel are working within the comedian? Well, I. I I think that, as an example, you know, watching the last cycle, right, and listening to what I, the last few months that I've been back, uh, of people thinking that we need to have a, uh, maybe stronger leadership. So what I'm, I'm seeing people like Judd, who's running for mayor, uh, this next cycle, who I'm going to support on, on, on that case, because I look at him as a man who's connected to the community. You know, I don't know if you know this, but he's the founder of Streetwise. Oh, I, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So, mm-hmm. so a man who gives people dignity so they could put a roof over the head and feed their children, right? That's the kind of guy I can get behind. A guy who understands what it's like to take somebody from the barrio and get them to the boardroom. I don't know if I answered okay. your question. You mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to focus on some of the positives as well here. Yeah. Um, I think that, well, actually, I'm going to come back to that question. I met you, I saw you once upon a time at a, this is way before COVID, uh, Social Justice Committee meeting it was at the aurora public library right. you were there and there's a couple other gentlemen with you one of which was a principal in the new york city school system do you recall the gentleman's name i don't have it i don't recall at the moment I, uh, but I, there are a few, a few guys with you yeah he was a superintendent but that's what it was right. he was superintendent what was his name mark Mikovich. that's right mark i just remember the mark okay right. um he's affiliated with the foundation is that correct well, what he's doing, like a lot of other people are doing, they're seeing the value in what we bring to the table. So he's introducing me to the National Superintendents Association, right? So, you know, it's all about connections, right? It's not always what you know, but it's who you know to get through these doors. So people like him or who are mind-like like that are opening these kind of doors so that we can reach more kids, so we need to, or as many kids as possible, which is what I, I think I was telling what Papa John's has done. Papa John's is a sponsor of Barrio, a corporate sponsor, and they give 40% off here in the state of Illinois by using the code Barrio10, Barrio10, and you get 40% off, then they donate money to our foundation so we can put those books into the hands of as many kids as possible. Hmm. Um, you detailed the pushback that you got from the city. Outside of Aurora, where else were you frustrated? I haven't been. It's been very well received worldwide. So I you're mean, telling me the only place where you ever got pushback has been Aurora? Aurora. That's why I say it makes no sense. I mean, they thought they were hurting me by pushing back, you know, initially, um, but they did me a favor because as I left Aurora, I got exposed to the whole world. I mean, right now we're under development for a documentary and a movie, right? I have a 3D animation uh, cartoon character that addresses conflict resolution, so we're talking to Disney and Netflix. So, you know, I point to if, if Barrio, and I call Barrio as a whole, the whole program, the curriculum and the books, is good enough for a billion dollar company like Papa John's who sees the value, mm-hmm. right? Or the rugby organization or the esports world or any of these other people that I worked with or people here locally, like as I mentioned, Jim Orvice, who's donated thousands of books. In 2008, when I was a grand marshal for, for Aurora, 
um, March Against Violence, Jim Overweis donated 1,000 from the Barrio de Bordeaux East Rural High School. So, I mean, there are people, the books are going into the schools with or without the pushback, but I'm just saying that when somebody physically steps up and says, as long as I'm on the school board, you'll never be in our schools, I think that's it's insane. Do you, do you keep fighting that fight, or do you just say, you know what, then I'm just going to focus my efforts elsewhere? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm not going to be bullied, mm -hmm. you know, so, I mean, you can't stop the kids from getting these books, right? Mm -hmm. So you're just kidding yourself. And, and you know, there's going to come a day when, you know, people will find out who these people are trying to... to, to I was going to... That's deprive, the next one, yeah. yeah. To <laughs> deprive these kids. Yeah, I, I think that's insane. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been people who have given the books to Richard, and Richard Irvin says, you know, he's... We have our own programs. He's not one of us, right? Or people like Dan Barrero or Annette Johnson on the school board right. push back and don't want these kids to have these books. They're committing a crime. These books are saving lives. Right. You know, I, I, I can tell you that it's nothing less than a miracle in real time. Uh, that these books are good enough for million and billion dollar organizations that it's not good enough for the East Aurora School District, I think that's pretty sad. That's why I'm going to endorse Judd Lopshi. Right. Because, because that's not leadership. See, I think in this town, I think, and, I, and there are good people here, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of good people here trying to do some good things. Right. And you know, I met a lot of the community activists, you know, Mary Folds, Chicano and these Certainly. people that are out there, the okay. boxing clubs who use the books. I've met a lot of these people and they and they use the books. You know, um, Chicano's boxing club has the books. A town, yep. Yeah, he was here yesterday. Them, right. You know, yeah. so all these people that, that are sitting up here, they think they're 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 stopping something from happening. They're just kidding themselves. I, I think that they need to be replaced and put people who don't mistake motion for action into office and, and be what leaders do. They don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Right? You were in the military. The problem-solving process is recognize the problem, find a solution, take action. So if you're not going to get on board, get out of the way because the train's already there. Right. So I'm not here to beat anybody up in Aurora. I'm just said that if I have traveled all over the country and all around the world, and these are well-received, we've impacted probably people-wise 3.5 million, maybe 2.5 million kids. So if it's good enough for 2.5 million or 3.5 as far as the population's concerned on usage, and I don't understand that what's the, the, the issue here. There is a concerted push at the moment to eliminate, I'm asking you this because you're a veteran, there's a concerted push at the moment to eliminate ROTC, JROTC programs out of uh, high schools, minority high schools. We'll take East Aurora High School, for example. The thought process behind that is that we can no longer send our Latino or our, our kids of color to a system that does not like them, what is it even giving them? What what skills are they even getting for that? How do you feel about that? I, I think that first of all, I from the outside coming in into the educational mm -hmm. world, I think that you know they spend millions and billions of dollars every year on what's called so-called best practices that aren't working. But if it's not working, it's not best practices. So why do they do it? Unions, contracts, and paychecks. They're chasing dead presidents so they can get their funding for the following year, while our kids here are graduating with a seventh grade reading level. They've taken life skills out of the classroom. They've taken God out of the classroom. They've taken the flag out of the classroom. And then they wonder why, what, you know, after school programs are gone, then they wonder what's wrong. I think that having the ROTC is a wonderful thing for our kids. It changed my life. It saved my life, right? And now it's given me a, a, an international platform. It wasn't for the military. You can't rob a kid from an experience that can literally change their lives. I've had kids read my book 
and they're flying jets now in the military. You know, they use that as a career path. You know, and not everybody's going to college. You know, not everybody's college bound. Right. You know, um, my friend Peter Aguilera introduced me to a group called ABC, Associated Builders and Contractors, right? I've heard of that For group. the trades, yeah, right? So yeah. I've worked with them. And they're giving young people an opportunity to become electricians into the trades, right? Heating ventilation. Those are good jobs, right? So everybody says, well, they should go to college. Not everybody's going to college, right? I didn't go to college myself. I'm a U.S. Army veteran, have a corporate background, and I received an international honorary doctorate degree. You know, good things happen to people who go to the military. And put in the work. Right. Mm -hmm. The time is now 9.06 a.m. You're listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. And we're sitting down with Dr. Robert Renteria, of, excuse me, author of From the Barrio to the Boardroom. What was your very first job? My very first job, I made a dollar an hour flipping pizzas. And then my second job was I worked at a car wash making a dollar eighty-three cents an hour. Moving on plus up, right? Tips, <laughs> right? And then from there I got my real, real job at McDonald's learning customer service with a smile. Right. right? So I was no secret. The, the secret to success is easy, right? Hard work, determination, and education. Right? So we teach our kids to work hard. These inner city kids that are living this some dysfunctional lifestyle, we teach them Put your street smarts with your book smarts, and then you're going to be dangerous, right? And that's when I learned I could be dangerous, the world was, <laughs> the world was wide open. And I think these kids just understand that the opportunities are there, but they need to ask for help. Not because they're weak, because they have to remain strong. There's a difference between a handout and a hand up. So when tell these kids, come on, I'll take you with me. That's why, that's why people like Judd or Peter or other people, Jim Overvice, <clears throat> you heard the story that I told about Jim the other day. The guy, this young guy lost his job right after COVID, and he had just bought a condo, and he has two little kids and a wife. Like, what am I gonna do? You know, I, I'm gonna lose everything. That was a dream. They lived in apartments their whole life. Got a job working for Overvice Ice Cream. Now he's making his mortgage payment, putting food on the table, right? So there are resources out there if you just reach out. I was aware that there were 35 trucking jobs available with Overvice Ice Cream, so I told him, go to Overvice and, and apply, and they'll hire you, and they hired him. Right, so I mean, you have to just ask for help. There, right. there, there's, there's, I understand the whole pride thing, but if you're willing to work hard and you bring value to the table and you're willing to earn it, why not? Right. Who are some other authors that inspire you? Who are you reading, or what are you reading that you go to? You know, um, that's a good question. I've, I, I read uh, Stephen King. Okay. That back then, I, I was um, Dale Carnegie. I'd like, I'd like. Excellent. Right. And uh, Zig Ziglar was one. Mm -hmm. You know, if you help enough other people get where they want to go, you get where you want to go. So that's a philosophy I carry, trying to help people mm -hmm. pay it forward. So it's, I'm not into the whole game of free for you and none for me. Mm -hmm. you know, I want it to be amicable, right, where we help each other. And that's right. what we're trying to do with the kids, you know, help these kids through the power of word, which is the book, right, or books so they could spread their wings and fly like the angels God intended them to be. What kind of student were you? I was a bad student. In what way? Everybody's a bad <laughs> student. You, you know, well, I mean. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was skipping, skipping school. Okay. I had, I had no, um, no father figure, you know, to guide me, right? My mother didn't finish high school. My grandparents didn't finish high school. You know, so I had nobody to, to look at and say, kind of emulate and say, I'm, I'm going to go to college or I'm going to go to school. I dropped out of school in the 10th grade. You know, I was running with my, my other family, gangs, right? Selling drugs, doing drugs, and 
you know, experienced that sad side of life, but it wasn't until the military that it really opened my eyes and realized that in today's time, and, it be, and only the business, mind you, is that, you know, it's, it's an education that gets you in the door, but it doesn't make you the right candidate. When I hire people, I want people who are involved in the community. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I was interviewing both of you, mm -hmm. and I said, so let's, you have a master's degree, you have a master's degree, so what do you do for the community? You said, well, what do you mean? What do you do for the community? Oh, I do this, this, and that. I want somebody who's engaged, because if he's taking care of the community, he's going to take care of my company. Right. That was my opinion. Right. That's a good point about that, mm -hmm. but involvement, engagement right. with it. I feel that there will never be a day when society will be 100% Homogenous. There will it, it 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 won't happen where we're all together. We're all singing kumbaya. I believe that we can get close. What's missing from society that is taking us apart instead of bringing us together? Listen, it's just pure ignorance. Okay, mm -hmm. it's okay to have interracial relationships, right? But it's not okay to to work together, right? So my goal is that to make the dream of Dr. King not just a dream but a reality. Sure. And also Cesar Chavez, right, <clears throat> who fought for the United Farm Workers, right? And, and, and I think that we just need to unite and understand that we're all the same. You know, we love, we laugh, we lost, we cry, we see things we regret from time to time, and in the end we bleed red. We're the same. So that my opinion is, you know, you're not a black guy. You're my brother. Right. You're my sister. And that's how we should look at each other. That's why I said I learned a lot from kids. Because mm -hmm. you put a whole bunch of kids in a room. They all playing. Just completely yeah, together. Yeah. You put us in a room in Aurora, and we're going to have backdoor meetings about how we're going to X you out, right? So. At certain levels, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, my neighbors next door to me don't speak much English, but they embrace my son. And to your point, I mean, it is just, it's nothing but laughing and hanging and playing. And they're the whole thing, eating duvelin all day. Um so you're right. You're right to that. But the levels, the upper echelon, to your point, there is favoritism in certain places and people only want their, their um, uh, not agenda to dominate. Yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, politics for me, I've been asked to run for politics. It's too cliquish, right? And I, I, I don't want to just run in a district versus helping people around the world. So my playground is the world. And, and I think that here locally they need to understand that, you know, you're a public servant, you know. Just because you have a title doesn't make you better. It's like somebody said to me, oh, do you want to take a picture with the congressman? I said, ask the congressman if he wants to take a picture with me because he works for me. I pay his tax, you know, I pay his salary. Mm -hmm. We as taxpayers. So I think there's this, this backward mentality thinking that because you, you got a title here, you're a celebrity. Sure. You're not a celebrity. You're a public servant. So you either serve or get replaced. Um, speaking of that, we are in an election year. November 3rd is quickly approaching. Mm -hmm. um, we've seen many tragedies uh, perpetrated. The foolishness of building a wall, kids in cages, things like that. The battle against health care and many things like that. Um, how optimistic are you that we will experience change and positivity come November 3rd? And that's not an endorsement of anybody. It's just a question. I guess time will tell. It's, 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 you're, you're dealing with a, an old institution that moves very, very slow. And I think there's, you know, power and greed play a part in all of this stuff. 
and kids and, and even some adults, many adults are political pawns, political footballs. And, and, and I think it's sad that, that we are divided as a nation. And I'm, I want people to understand that you know politics should not be about red states or, or blue states, but rather about the United States of America. One nation truly under God and indivisible for liberty and justice for all. Outside of Aurora, what are some of the other communities surrounding that you're gonna be working with? Well, right now, because um, I'm not traveling anywhere, mm -hmm. right? But I can tell you that um, El Paso, Texas, who had the murders in El Paso are waiting for this travel restriction so I can be in El Paso so we can mm -hmm. go to the border towns and get the Vore books to all the kids in those communities, right? Uh, San Bonito, Los Banos, California, the migrant farm workers in Northern California are waiting for me to come up there and present in Northern California. So there are other cities and states who are in the holding pattern where we're having discussions about going out there to either speak. Um, we were planning a tour called the Barrio Impact Tour. We we're going to hit the 10 top Latino states in the country this year. But because of COVID, it's it got awesome. canceled to hopefully next year. So the con there are conversations about coming out. But there are a lot of uh, virtual youth conferences happening that the Barrio books are being sent to kids. Mm -hmm. or, they're, or they're being used electronically because it's on Kindle. Mm -hmm. So the books are being used through virtual but they're using um, a lot of my speaking engagements, like my TED Talk. I did a TED Talk in Naperville in 2017. So they're using the, the TED Talk as a, as a platform to inspire kids. So, so that's what's going on now while we're in the holding pattern. Okay, but there's no other Illinois communities that you're working with? Oh, yeah, all over okay. Chicago, yeah. Okay, in Chicago, just well, Chicago, the suburbs? Chicago, yeah, you, okay. you pick your poison. I mean, it's all over. I just got a call from somebody in Oswego that wants the books for Oswego. So it's happening mm -hmm. here locally. If I had to put a map down, I could, I can put pins on the whole map except for the east side of Aurora. Okay. And how can people find out about this? Do you have your social media, your website? Oh, yeah. You can find us. If you were to just Google my name, we have a lot of content out there. But okay. you can find us on our website at www.fromthebarrio.com. That's B-A-R-R-I-O.com. Or you can email me at robert at fromthebarrio.com. And our direct line where you can reach us 24-7 is 312-933-5619. Okay. Great. When I think about the barrio, I lived in San Diego. Yeah. Um, yeah Cesar Chavez, you were, you were mentioning him. Yeah. I am quite familiar with the story of Mr. Chavez, his legacy, and the struggle of the farm workers. Um, for those who don't know, who are just tuning in, who could be young and them hearing this, can you please detail who Mr. Chavez was and what the struggle for the farm workers was about? Well, we had, we had equal pay, you know, fair pay. Um, we fought for insurance. We fought for religion. You know, he, he, he was very much like Dr. King in his own right. Mm -hmm. um, and he made it possible that, you know, that the unions would protect their people. So, so, and, and, and you can't leave out Dolores Huerta either. You know, right. she, she did her part. Um, but I think he, he was a civil rights organizer and mm -hmm. leader for his era, mm -hmm. as was Dr. King. So I consider them brothers in their own right. Right. Besides those two, do you have any other, uh, are there any other inspirational figures? Well, there's so many people doing humanitarian work around the world, you know. Could be Mother Teresa. You know, there's 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 people who who are very philanthropic, who are in the celebrity world, who do stuff. 
Uh, I'm going to be doing some stuff with Shakira down in Colombia. So she does a lot of... You're going to be working with Shakira? Yeah. A lot of philanthropic work down in Colombia that she was working on. I've done stuff with... Uh, we had a play in Chicago uh, working with uh, Gloria Stefan and her people. Her choreographer flew in and we put together a play called The Barrio Project in Chicago. Uh, Maria uh, Torres. And we took 30 inner city kids. It was funded by After School Matters. Fully funded. And... After a course of a year, the kids' lives had transformed. And they told me at the end of the year that, that their boardroom is now a theater. So I've watched lives change in real time in different countries, different cities, in different states. And now that I'm here, they're coming to Aurora. All right, all right. right um, where do you see Aurora in the next five, ten years? Well, you know, I'm hoping that during this election that... Uh, Judd Lawshe will become the next mayor. Okay. And Are you saying that just because you're a member of Aurora Business United? No, I'm not saying that. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I know, I've known Judd since, since, I, since I popped up in 2007. I popped up here. I joined the chamber, but it's, the book came out in 2008. Right. And, and, and Judd was really good about introducing me to people. He embraced me. Um, you know, I, I'm not... I'm not going to say this will be a fact, but if Judd does not win, I'm very tempted to move here and run for to be the first Latino mayor of the city of Aurora. Okay. What change do you think he would bring as a mayor? I think he would unite the community. Okay. I think he would look to bring programming to the community and find outside resources for funding, as I have done, right? Like, as I mentioned, Jim Orvice has helped raise, given the foundation thousands of dollars to help get kids all over the state of Illinois barrio books have that experience. So I think he would do kind of what I'm doing is bringing outside resources to the community to help build it up so that we don't have a dilapidated downtown as an example or, you know, kids not being able to have after school programs. There have to be resources. Sure. And the, the city's in debt, right? The deficit mm -hmm. is large. So you have to have outside people with bigger muscles and more contacts to come in here and lift it up. And what do you think of the downtown here? It's pretty sad, in my opinion. I mean, okay. I, I, I lived in North Aurora uh, for 25 years. Five years before that, I was in Lyle. But I've been here in the state for, for 30 years. But the last 25 years, I I mean, outside of what I saw that, that uh, Mayor Weisner was able to accomplish with, you know, the pavilion over here and that bridge got built as a follow-up of what he started. Pavilion. The, what do you call it? River Edge Park? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I would say that it's pretty sad that you got a bunch of abandoned buildings, you know, and to add insult to injury, what is the mayor doing about all these homeless people walking the streets? There's homeless people everywhere in the city of Aurora. Nobody's talking about it. Why? You know, they're pulling up these little tent cities in different parts of Aurora. There are people sleeping by the river, people sleeping on the streets by bu in, in bus stops. I mean, that's insane. Well, people are talking about it. We just sat here and mentioned the Hesed House. I understand that, but why do we have, and we also mentioned Wayside Cross Ministries, right? But why are we having this influx of homeless people all over the city of Aurora? I once read that tr transients is a byproduct of a large city. So that is to say that there's going to be homeless people in a large city. Well... I'm not trying to justify the, a, no, no, a guy I'm, sleeping I'm, under a, a bus stop for heaven's sakes. Sure, I, I, I don't like seeing that. I used to live, I lived in the downtown for my 11 years of being here in Aurora. I just moved into a, a house now. So yeah, I wake up and I see the guy eating out the trash for heaven's right. sake at 6 o'clock in the morning. So I, I agree with you there. Um, but is that not a byproduct of a big city? 
you know, I, I look at it like this. You know, we have money for wars and can't feed the poor. There's children, teenagers, and adults walking around lost in a culture of darkness, and we need to do something about it. Sure. So I'm doing my part, and, and you know, I know the judge, I've seen Judd over the years do his part, and other people, Jim Overweiss, and, you know, Peter Aguilera, who's been really generous with making sure that the kids have programming. I think that we have to pull people together and unite. It's all about coming together and uniting as one force. No different than we learned in the military. You leave no man or child behind. All right. No, you're you are you are uh, you're absolutely correct. Yeah, you're absolutely correct with that. Uh, I'm against the um, tent cities and everything. Um, there was one where people were sleeping. I think in the burning the the BNSF tracks back there, and they were told to clear out. And people got together and wanted them to stay. Uh, I was kind of against that because, as a person who's worked with heavy machinery before, you don't want humans who are not squared away around that environment. Uh, so yes, yeah, some more needs to be done. I completely agree with you yeah, there. I mean, there has to be some sort of proposed solution for this stuff. I mean, I'm working on a project right now with Habitat for Humanity that I'll share with you once it becomes public. All right. And 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 that'll be part of addressing that solution. I didn't think I was gonna be able to ask this question, but now since you uh, since you gave me the bump like in volleyball, I'm gonna go ahead and try. If you were mayor, what's the first thing that you the day you get sworn in, what's the first thing that you would do? What's the first issue you tackle? I would literally, I drain the swamp, get rid of all the people who have been here forever and ever, and it's time for change. Bring in people who don't just talk the talk but walk the walk. You have people here that have been here forever protecting their turf or their territory or their job or their paycheck, and they're not really doing the job they were empowered to do or being paid to do. So that's the first thing I would do is I make a complete sweep. And then I would bring in new leadership, people with business backgrounds who understand that it's not just about getting a paycheck, but it's about building. So if you don't have a business acumen and you're an administrator, then all it is is about doing the service of the job day to day, hour to hour. When you have a business of your own, and, and if you don't perform, it doesn't work. So I want this to be a performance-based city. I want people to understand they have to perform. I was sitting down talking to a friend at Two Brothers Coffee. Oh, wait, I got to ask you something. Um, are you a coffee guy? I can be sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Depends <laughs> <laughs> how late I'm up. <laughs> uh, I do know that you're a hard worker, and you're up early. Mm -hmm. I know you're motivated, so that's why I asked. Um, I once heard a guy tell me at a coffee shop that from the Wisner administration, which I have no true knowledge of, uh, from the Wisner administration to now, things have improved significantly. Uh, what do you make of a statement like that? Who made the statement? I mean, it's somebody that works for the mayor that makes that statement? No, it's a local guy. Yeah, I don't know who the guy is. Does it matter? Well, it depends if you're in that circle. Yeah, it does matter. He's a, he, I'll tell you who the guy is. He's a motor. He's a motorcycle guy. He ran a motorcycle shop in Batavia. He's been in Aurora for twenty years. He's not on a board. He's not part of the school board. He never ran for nothing in his life. He's just a grease hog. Yeah. So I don't know what he's talking about exactly. You know, without being part of the conversation, right? I I think that you know there. Like I said, there are good people here. I'm not dogging the city. There are good people here, right? But there's. There's a status quo of people who have been in positions for multiple years. Certainly. And, 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 and that's not, I consider that part of the problem, right? Why we're not growing, why we're not expanding, why we're not building more buildings, why are we bringing more resources? Because you're, you're trading on somebody's water. 
The time is now 9.25 a.m. and you've been listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. And we are sitting down with Dr. Robert Renteria, author of From the Barrio to the Boardroom. I know you like the R's. I can I can do the R's every now and then. Um, the show ends on a positive note. Okay, so we you will be taking us out with a positive note for the day and for the uh, the people of Aurora. But before we get to that, um, can you please give a, a shout out to Aurora Business United and tell it how can we how can the listener get involved or learn more about Aurora Business United? Well, Aurora Business United meets um, virtually now, second Friday of every month. Okay. And then they meet you know, uh, the middle of the month virtually. Uh, they were having it at the library uh, prior. Santori. Right. right that, yeah. Right. Okay. But I, I think that you know to reach out to Peter Aguilera or um, or Judd Lofty. Okay. And and to be part of that, I know they have speakers come in and they share what they bring to the community as business owners, and that's why I like that platform because you got people who are trying to grow, and build something, and kind of like kids with with Legos, you know, they're building something. <laughs> they're, just, they're just bigger kids, you know. Yeah. They're trying to do good. But uh, to your question on a positive note, I want the educators, the counselors, the police, the teachers and parents to know that we have program that we're donating to every single program in the city of Aurora at no cost, right? And we're also working with the faith-based community by donating program to the faith-based communities. So if you want to get involved, please contact me directly. I'll be happy to help you facilitate and to, to grow your programs. Are you on Facebook? Yeah, we're on Facebook. Okay. Yes. You got Instagram? I have somebody work on that for me. I, I don't do all my own media anymore, so okay. Uh, as, you, as you get to a certain point, you've got to put, put bring other people, people in. You have bring other people who are smarter than you, right? Because right. you're the smartest person. <laughs> you need to get a new group, right? So I <laughs> I got a new group, and that were people who are smarter around me to help push it out. Okay, all right. Um, so we appreciate your time. Thank you coming thank on you. to the show, brother. Appreciate your time. Well, thank you for you know being open and honest. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, uh, the show was created to give people a voice. This show speaks up for the underserved veterans, seniors, members of the LGBT community, uh, undocumented residents, and anybody who has a positive uh, addition. That's it. So yeah. Well, yeah, and for the kids, if there's any kids, young people listening, I want you to dream big because if the dream is big enough, the odds don't matter. Word. That's Word. right. That's right. Good advice. Yes, exactly. Um, so this has been another great episode of Good Morning Aurora. We hope that you guys stay motivated, stay positive, and stay blessed out there. We appreciate uh, Dr. Renteria for his time. It's Domestic Violence Awareness Month and Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so please do what you can in regards to volunteering your time or perhaps making a donation. Two great organizations, Healing to Healthy and Mutual ground will always benefit from anything that you do and on behalf of the second largest city's first daily news podcast we would like to say thank you once again to all of our listeners our fans our subscribers uh, we have much more to come stay positive stay motivated stay blessed and stay powerful peace <laughs>